Hey, welcome back. Final hour. Beamer in for Bowerly here on News Radio 930. WBEN. Snow is falling outside. Be careful on your drive home. We'll uh, get you to Alan Harris in about 10 minutes. If you have something you can safely report, 803-0930 on the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board. Always appreciated. Uh, we're talking about banking, banks, your banking, uh, your reaction to not being able to access your bank for three days. Uh, if you're just joining us, the reason is uh, Silicon Valley Bank was shut down by regulators today. The FDIC has taken uh, control of the bank, and um, it is the it was the 16th largest bank in America. It is the second largest bank failure in American history. So I think it's a pretty big story, and uh, we're asking you uh, your thoughts on the story in general. We're also asking you your reaction if you did not have access to your bank account for three days. Uh, again, it's three days, but 60% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, and most Americans have most of their money in the bank and not, you know, they don't, a lot of people don't carry on cash anymore. And also, how has your banking changed in the last decade? We will start in Depew with Professor Mike. Mike, thanks for hanging on. How are you doing? Uh, my students used to find this to be a, an infinitely fascinating topic, and particularly in economic classes. You know, in the end of the day, currency and money is is really a, a confidence game. You have to have you have you have to have confidence and stability. And governments have been going through enormous transitions in the last couple centuries. We, we've kind of moved from hard currency, which is your bullion, your gold, your silver, copper, things of that nature. Then we we made a transition into printing, and then. Gradually, global governments are increasingly moving towards digital currency, right? Well, digital currency was the way that many of your larger economies have been thinking that that's what they, the way they need to proceed. China, the, the Chinese yuan, or they call it the renminbi, they want to move to a digital imprint. But governments love the digital imprint because they can easily track any transactions you make. If you purchase a car, you buy something in cash, Often those go unrecorded. Well, governments want to be able to trace any transaction and derive those tax dollars. And then also it really inhibits organized crime in their trying to move assets. But that being said, we have tried on numerous occasions, and in the American economy being the largest economy on the globe, we've done uh, several leading um, activities that, that the rest of the world has responded to in terms of our currency. One of the big events that some people who are listening now would recall, on the heels of the Great Depression, our government was broke. By 1932, Roosevelt's elected. Our economy has collapsed. Our government is bankrupt. So what they did, they utilized bankers, college professors, businessmen, they were called the Brain Trust, and they were brought into Washington, and they hit upon a scheme. They would make all Americans turn in their gold coins. America dealt with silver and gold currency until the 1930s. There were $5 gold pieces, $10, $15, and $20 gold pieces. 1932, the U.S. government made it illegal for you to possess gold. You were ordered to turn in all your gold to the banks. So if you brought the bank a $20 gold piece... 
they gave you a $20 bill currency in exchange. And if you were caught with gold on your person, that could be 10 years in a federal penitentiary. So all the Americans raced to the banks, they deposited their gold with the banks, and they were given paper currency in exchange. All that gold was collected, put on trains, and sent to a place today that we call Fort Knox. And the U.S. government simply was printing paper currency predicated on, on all those gold coins that people returned to the banks. So that was a pretty slick move in 1932. You're talking about Executive Order 6102. <laughs> so you would be familiar. Now, that being said, uh, this, this game has been played for some time. And you can get away with it as long as you, you do it with a degree of stability. In the 1600s, the French, colon- I'm sorry, the uh, Dutch colonial government was actually transacting in tulips. Tulips were a form of currency. So at the end of the day, what it is, is it's confidence. Anything can be a commodity. Anything can be currency if you have said confidence. Now, lastly, let me share this. The U.S. government really got the world up and running with paper currency. At the close of the American Revolution, the 13 colonies were trying to put something together. We had written something we called continental dollars. They usually came in increments of 50 cents or a dollar. It was paper money signed by members of Congress as a promissory note. I collect these things. They were used as currency. But by 1787, nations would no longer deal with the United States of America because we didn't have some sort of bullion currency. So early in American history, we were using French francs, Dutch guilders, British shillings, Spanish reals. We were cutting coins into eight pieces, pieces of eight. American currency was, was basically described as being worthless. At the end of the American Revolution... American soldiers who were paid in paper currency were using the paper to wipe themselves, and they also rolled tobacco and smoked the tobacco. This paper was made out of kind of a a linen and a cotton material, but America learned very quickly no one would deal with us until we went on a stable currency banking system. So America, under basically Hamilton, creates national banks There's a severe shortage of American currency up until around the 1830s. You'll find very few American coins from the late 1700s because we could not get currency up and running in terms of coin currency. And it's also been rumored that Washington turned in his silverware set to help produce the first American silver coins. So really, this is just a confidence game. So they can make the transition from you know, basically hard bullion to basically printing, and now we're moving into digital. But the other last problem they're finding with digital currency is it can also be used against your opponent in times of war via sabotage. So they're beginning to rethink this whole digital currency aspect. So they're in a bit of a conundrum, but whatever they do, they have to move precipitously and slowly because in the end of the day, it is just a confidence game. As long as you have confidence in the, cur- in the currency, it will be upheld. Wow, Mike. Uh, interesting stuff. I-, I can't imagine getting paid something and then deciding I'm going to roll it up and smoke it instead of spend it. It made great 
toilet paper as well for the Continental Army. You know, that would, that, that's really interesting. Now, you say you collect it. Do you collect, like, really old coins? Do you have a 1700s American coin? I'm a history professor. I'll answer it that way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I find, uh, look, you, you can collect things. Uh, you can still find currency from ancient Rome, Greece. Um, those things are still around and available. Those types of currency have been utilized for the last 5,000 years, you know, particularly the Persian Empire, the Greeks, the Romans, certainly. It has always been a hedge. But the point being, you can even, as the Dutch did, you could utilize tulips as a commodity. If it is thought to be rare and it's not available in abundance, people will associate value to it. Wow. Hey, Mike, great stuff. Appreciate the call. Professor Mike opens the line for you at 803-0930-STAR-930. You know, I'll get back to the calls in a second, but I've always been fascinated. We did a show about this, of what what stuff people collect, right? What what do people collect? And um, coins is always a very popular collection. And I don't know if you've ever ever seen the show – Oh my gosh, Josh, what am I thinking of here? Pawn Stars on the History Network. And I love when someone brings, as Mike said, you know, a, a, a centuries old piece of money and, you know, to this pawn shop. And then they call their, um, their expert in and they look at it with the magnifying glass and they're looking at the edges and everything. And I'm always fascinated. Coins are. Because they've been around for so long. You know, I've really gotten into collecting baseball cards. Baseball cards have only been around for a little bit. It, it coins around from hundreds of years ago. And, you know, just to see the detail and to see how it has held up for centuries, I'm always amazed by stuff like that. Uh, let's go to Debbie in Buffalo. Debbie, thanks for hanging on. How you doing? I'm doing all right, Debbie. Uh, what do you think of, uh, of all this uh, well, issues with the banks? First of all, we're talking about a bank collapse that just happened recently. You know, I know this prior guy was talking about something that happened 300 years ago. Well, we're not there no more. We're talking about you could find anybody on a computer in 10 seconds. Um, the point is, the bank collapse, what they're doing, why they're, why they're closing down for three days is because they're finding out how much they've been breached, and how much they owe people. I think that, I'm going to tell you, I know it sounds really crazy, but it starts at the very root. What I thought about a year and a half ago when I was doing my banking, I was like, I don't like the idea that this teller has access to my whole life. I'm like, who is she or who is he? Like, they know your address. They see how much money you have. I'm like, to me, I think that's an invasion of privacy. To me, when they go to you go to take out money or put money in, it should be a blank screen. Either you have it or you don't. They should have no access to anything else than dish out the money or don't dish it out. All right. Hey, Debbie, uh, opens the line for you at 803 star 930. I'll, I'll say this. That's why I go to the ATMs and I transfer money on my phone because if I go to a teller and, you know, they have to look at my account, they just laugh. It is Beamer in for Bowerly here on News Radio 930 WBEN. As the texter says, the teller's backgrounds are checked extremely deep or they wouldn't be there. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, I. 
believe me, I um I usually go to the ATM, but I, I would not fear what the uh, what the teller can see or not see. Like I said, if hey, can I take this out? Haha, <laughs> I just saw your account. Um, but I mean, everyone has different fears. I will say that everyone has different fears, and um, we're seeing that. Let's go to Frank in Amherst. Frank. Yes. Hey, uh, I'm not sure what the professor guy was talking about, but um, it seemed to be off topic. Uh, so here's what, what I'm reading. What happened here is a nice summary. It says this SVP was holding a high number of Treasury and other, other government bonds amounting to more than half of its assets. And as interest rates rose, those bonds became less valuable and the bank needed to recoup the losses or basically replenish their reserves which cover what they've loaned out. And so they were going out to the private markets and trying to do it that way, and they were running out of time, and the government saw that there were some issues taking place, and they stopped it and took over the bank. And they have very – anybody who – we all went through the savings – well, you didn't, but the savings and loan problems in the 1990s with Charles Keating, hundreds of banks went under – and, and a lot of that was fraud and people who were, you know, actually stealing money. Uh, and that was allowed to go on too long. And they learned from that that actually people should people should be confident that their government is working. The fact that they did take over this SVP and did not let this go on any further. And so these people who are, I'm reading a quote here from some lady who went on to uh, um, CNBC and uh, let me just read the quote here. She said, clearly an example of something breaking. Not really. It's actually a sign of something working. So, um, it's, so it's, you, uh, you, you're, you, are, you are less fearful because of the news is what you're saying. Correct. It means okay. that, they're, that they're on top of it, that banks need to have reserves, just like insurance companies need to have reserves, and they invest their money and all that to pay out claims. Uh, part of the reason Florida has a lot of insurance companies that aren't there anymore is that they were basically being subsidizing Florida. 85% of the claims for losses of property damage in America are in Florida and the states surrounding. So the rest of us in the country that pay our, our, our uh, homeowners, renters policies and all that, we're subsidizing people who want to live on an ocean in Florida. And so um, you, you have to have reserves for that. So this bank did not have enough reserves. They had too many reserves that were invested in government bonds. Government mm-hmm. bonds have not become or have lost interest in terms of trading and, and their value because interest rates went up. And because the interest rates went up, people were less interested. There were more people that were investing their money not in government bonds, willing to buy the bonds. They were investing it in other kinds of things or maybe sticking it in their sock in a drawer like the professor guy from Depew was saying. All right. Hey, so, Frank, we're, we're up against the break, but I appreciate the call. Uh, Frank in Amherst giving his thoughts. Someone's, I'm, I wasn't mocking anyone. Someone on the text board says I was mocking him. I'm not mocking anyone. And then the texture brings up uh, Bernie Madoff. And you're right. I mean, there are examples of, of the wrong people being trusted uh, by those that have a lot of money. I, I'm, I'm not mocking anyone. This, like I've always said, this is a place for everyone to have their opinions. I'm not mocking a single person. Um, but the texter is right. I mean, Bernie Madoff was trusted with people's money. He was trusted um, with people that had a lot of money. And as the texter said, he he stole a ton of money. You're right. Texter, you're absolutely uh, you're absolutely right about that. But I'm not mocking anyone. This is a place for everyone 
to have their opinions. And, you know, like I said, this is a, a show for everyone, a station for everyone. If you want to put your opinion out there, put it out there. That's what we're, that's, that was what makes the show. If it was just me talking for four hours, I probably would lose most of Bowerly's audience. So that's why I'm asking for all of, <laughs> I'm asking for everyone's opinion. Let's go to Sue in Lancaster before the break. Sue, thanks for hanging on. Hi, Joe. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm the opposite. I pay, when I go to the store, I pay cash. I have cash in the house, and I pay cash. It drives me crazy when people stand in line and buy a $5 item and, and get their credit card out. And then here's the other thing. What about people that have bad credit and don't have credit cards? What do they do? Yeah, I mean, they, they either have a debit card or cash, Sue, or they well, take cash is- and buy a gift card. Yeah, but debit cards aren't good either. You're not covered with a debit card. If somebody goes in there and takes your money, you're not going to get it back. That's, you know, well, you have to put a claim in. It's not as easy as if someone took your credit card uh, information. And And if you don't have a credit card and, you know, you make a certain amount of money every week and you pay your bills and... Like I said, you don't have a credit card. You need that money to buy items. That's right. That's right. And and Sue, I I will tell you, you know, there are times where I I run out of the house with just cash, and then I'll go to the store and I'll go to one of those uh, self checkout lines, forgetting I only have cash, not my wallet. And that talk about frustrating because now I have to tell someone to void my order out, and I have to go to uh, another line that takes cash. Right. Right. So I don't think, and like that gentleman said, you know, they track you. Everything you put on your credit card, uh, when you make out checks, they track you. They know what you're going to spend, what you spend it on. When I go and buy a big item, um, if I have the money, I pay for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's how people get into trouble. That's why our younger generation is in trouble because they're so used to using their credit card. And if they didn't use the credit card and had to pay for it, maybe they wouldn't be in such bad credit uh, situations. Uh, Sue, you, you've you've said nothing. Uh, you've said nothing wrong. You're right. I mean, too many people, and believe me, there was a time where I was guilty of this. Too many people will run up the credit card, not realizing that you know if you have the money, you should just spend the money you have, or at the very least, pay off that credit card at the end of the month. And I think you're right. It is my generation that's having a little bit of trouble with that. Oh, definitely, definitely. My generation. I'm 75. My generation. We have cash, you know, and we're going to spend it. And we're not all going to use credit cards unless it's necessary. If you're going to uh, buy furniture or something and you want to put it, and then when a bill comes in, you pay it. Yep. A lot of people can't do that. But it drives me crazy. Like I said, when you go to the store, even a dollar item, they whip out a credit card. Uh, Are you kidding me? Well, Sue, I, I will leave you on this. The vending machines here take a credit card, and those items are a lot less than $5. Oh, my God. Well, then I'd go to the store and I'd buy my items rather than support the vending machine. Hey, Sue, you have a great weekend. Sue in Lancaster opens a line for you. To the news, I'm sorry I'm a little late here on WBEN.
we're back. Final segment here on Friday. Beamer in for Bowerly. News Radio 930. WBEN. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, and thank you for joining me throughout the week as I fill in for Tom Bowerly. Uh, greatly appreciate having you on board. Uh, Tom is recovering. And when Tom is ready, Tom will be back. And we are looking forward to that. Um, you know how sometimes you just get the strangest thoughts in your mind? I know I talk so much about, you know, old stores and old malls and all this stuff, right? But I was walking around Wegmans, Alberta a few days ago, okay? Uh, if you know where I'm talking about. The old Chase Pickin. It's now uh, Wegmans, Alberta. And uh, I was walking through... And just remembering, it's just interesting how much that store has changed on the inside. And that goes for most Wegmans, most stores in the area. Just how much it's changed on the inside. I remember when there was the video rental place at Wegmans. That's gone now. You know, you would uh, get your groceries and then... Or, you know, for me, it was while, you know, my parents were in line for groceries, I would go and see what was at the, uh, the rental place. Because sometimes you'd rent from there, sometimes you'd rent from Blockbuster, just depends where the day took you. And, you know, that was a, it was all in one stop uh, shop, right? I mean, that's what Wegmans tries to do. Now you get your, you have your prepared foods, you've got your kitchen items. I mean, they've got everything at Wegmans, and they used to have uh, video rental. They also used to have a place that you could leave your kid. You know, if you while you were going shopping, there was like a, a babysitting place at Wegmans. That's gone now, but I was walking around. I was, I was remembering that was there, and the movie rental place was there, and it's just interesting now. Uh, none of that's there, right? Um... There's nothing where the video rental place used to be at Alberta. It's just like this empty little space. Some stores have turned that into where they put like their bulk section stuff. Um, they've gotten rid of most bulk candy at the grocery stores too. I remember when that was a big hit. <laughs> um, but it reminds me of a time when we were shopping. You know, I was... Shopping. I think it was me, my sister, and my mom. We were at Wegmans, Alberta, and I got lost. And this is before cell phones, right? This is before anything. And they had a call. I can't remember if my mom had them call me or if I had them call my mom. But you know, I was like ten, so we had first moved to Buffalo. So you know, I'm new here. I don't know anything. This store is bigger than anything I've ever seen in Hornell. <laughs> I mean, the Wegmans itself was bigger than the entire town. No, but it, it was, you know, this huge store, no phone, no anything. And then, you know, I, I can't remember if it was me that had my mom called or my mom that had me called. I can't remember the exact story. But it's funny, I, I was walking around there and I, I've been doing a little Instacarting, as I've mentioned on the air. Uh, I have a lot of fun doing that. I put my headphones in, you know, it depends on the time of the day, either listen to David, listen to Tom, or listen to, um, there is a show that I enjoy listening to uh, that's not on the station, but obviously if David or Tom or, or Brian's on or Brian and Susan's on and I'm not here in the morning, that's what I'll have on while I'm shopping. And um, I was walking around Wegmans, Alberta, one of the things that 
people wanted on their list was uh, one of the prepared foods. And I was just walking around thinking, like, there used to be a like a daycare in this Wegmans. And, you know, walking around a little more. And there used to be bulk candy here. Now it's the beer section. <laughs> you know, and then walking out the front, you know, there used to be movies there. It's just interesting how much that story has changed. Speaking of interesting how things have changed. You know, it, it, I, I, I don't want to get, there's 15 minutes left in the show and I don't want to get super political. So I apologize if that's how it sounds. But it is interesting to me that we are now trying to ban flavored, we've already banned flavored vape, now trying to bland, uh, ban flavored cigarettes, flavored uh, cigars, you know, that you get at the uh, gas station. And at the same time, and, and, and we're doing this all in the name of, well, we don't want to, you know, we don't want tobacco products to be um, geared toward children or, you know, uh, advertised toward children. And that's what they say with the flavor ban. It's so interesting because at the same time, Sunny D, which when I was a kid was one of my, was a go-to drink. If you go to a kid's house and they had Sunny D... I could down a gallon of Sunny D in an afternoon. That stuff was so good. I mean, that that was for gen, you know, generations, right? I mean, Josh, when he was a kid, when I was a kid, the Sunny D little uh, little um, bottle. I remember my babysitter in Hornell, after the we were done with the Sunny D, she would use the same bottle to mix uh, Kool-Aid. And then you'd have a thing of that. It was great. Love Sunny D. It used to be called Sunny Delight. Now they just call it Sunny D. Well, Sunny D is coming out with an alcoholic beverage. There is now going to be Sunny D Vodka Seltzer. Now, I think, yeah, for me, adult, 34, of course I'm going to try that. I just think it's a little interesting, and, and you can make the argument, and maybe you will, well, Joe, Sunny D is not as big as it once was, right? It's not... It's not, you know, big with children anymore. It stopped with your generation and with Josh's generation. I don't think that's accurate, but okay. Even if that's true, Sunny D is a children's drink, right? Sunny Delight is what you get if you're having a, if you have a child or you're having, you know, your child's having a birthday party or something. You're gonna get a big thing of Sunny D. That's what the kids love. Now they're making vodka seltzers, and this isn't anything new, right? I mean, you can get vodka in any flavor you can imagine, right? Um, Oh, you know, there's uh, strawberry vodka. And and again, I am not against any of that, okay? I mean, there are adults that like flavored vodka. But I do think it's a little hypocritical that Sunny D vodka seltzer is going to be on store shelves the same time that New York State's saying, well, flavored cigarettes, flavored cigars are too geared toward children. Well, I watched SpongeBob SquarePants yesterday, and there was a Sunny D ad on it. So tell me what Sunny D vodka seltzer is geared towards. Again, not trying to get overly political in the last 10 minutes of the show, but... You know, <laughs> it's a little uncomfortable. It's a little uncomfortable. Again, I'm not, I, I don't want the state to step in and ban anything. But it is funny, the same year that those things will be taken off the shelf at your favorite gas station, 
Sunny D Vodka Seltzer will be on the store shelf. I just thought that was something interesting to share with you uh, as uh, Sunny D is now entering the liquor store. Someone says, remember Tang? Yes, Tang, it's a kick in a glass. I remember those. I remember those commercials. I, like I said, I'm a media nerd and I will go down the weirdest rabbit holes on YouTube. And what, there are some that say, you know, an hour of commercials from 1996. And I will sit there for an hour and watch commercials that were on programs I watched in 1996, right? A commercial during the Power Rangers, during uh, Jimmy Neutron, you know, stuff on Nickelodeon, all those commercials, an hour of them on YouTube. And I'll sit there and go, and this might just tell you how I have nothing going on, <laughs> but I will get lost in that rabbit hole almost every time. 803 star 930 if you want to uh, send a text at the end of the show here. It is Beamer in for... Oh, it is Beamer in for Bowerly here on News Radio 930 WBEN, wrapping up another week of broadcasting. And I just want to give a big thanks to all of you for listening, for chiming in on the text board, on the phones, even on social media. Um, I love it when you guys reach out. It shows you're listening and uh, means a lot to me. So I want to thank you for a great week. I want to thank Josh on the other side of the glass and uh, looking forward to talking with you guys again. Um, I want to end by saying thanks to every member of our team who was out covering uh, the services for Jason Arno today, Max Ferry, uh, Brayton Wilson, Tom Puckett here in the studio, Jimmy Stelliano was out uh, providing technical help, David Bellavia, Brian Mazarowski, uh, everyone that helped today. Uh, thank you for the great coverage you provided, and our thoughts and prayers uh, continue to be with the Arno family and his fellow firefighters, uh, Jason Arno, a New York hero, a Western New York hero, um, laid to rest today. And uh, again, we've had a, a tough year here in Buffalo, and like I said, yes, we've seen the worst of some people, but we have seen the best of most people and really have shown how we are the city of good neighbors. And um, it is unfortunate that it takes something like this to remember that we have heroes around us every day. But uh, we have to thank our firefighters, our police officers, our military uh, members who, you know, put their life on the line and risk it all for us, for people they don't even know. Uh, they will run into a fire. They will go into a uh, situation and uh, make sure we are safe and protect us. And um, no thanks is enough. But I um, want to thank them uh, for what they do each and every day. And again, um, our thoughts and prayers continue to be with the Arno family and his fellow firefighters. And we will be here for anything they need. I hope you have a great weekend. Good luck to the Niagara Purple Eagles uh, today as they try to get to the finals of the MAAC MAC uh, championship. If they win today, they'll be in the championship tomorrow. And also, good luck to Team USA as uh, they take the field for their first World Baseball Classic game tomorrow at 9 p.m. on Fox against Great Britain. 
Uh, there is no hard line this weekend. I just want to let you know there is no hard line this weekend. Uh, but we will be back the following weekend with Chrissy Casilio Bloom. She is running for county executive and a member of the Biden administration. Maybe. Uh, so that'll be the following week. No hard line this week. We'll see you on Monday here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Stay tuned for Tom Puckett next.